Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. And um, you know, lately we've been covering uh, the Falcon, the Winter Soldier. I think by the time you hear this, we've already wrapped up. Maybe by the time you hear this, we're covering Loki. We've also covered uh, WandaVision. The Mandalorian. So lots of extra bonus content on there for as little as a dollar a month. Um, and I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Belga, Jeff Whitman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, I've got a familiar voice on the show, though. It's been a minute, but I've got Scott uh, with Squadcast Media on the podcast. Say hi, Scott. <laughs> hi, Scott. <laughs> I it's it's been too long, Lisa. I mean, you I know you've been like bi- you've been like a busy woman with with all these people and all these movies. I know <laughs> I, I've been busy. I think I think you've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the busiest podcaster I know. Oh, what what can I say? I, 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 people apparently think I I'm fun to listen to. I don't know. I, I, you know. You, <laughs> I hey, would agree with you, that. You, you you asked me to be back on the show. I mean, that's your own fault. I mean, I did. You know. I did. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to have you back. Uh, you've been on the show a few times. We've talked several movies, so people should go back and listen to those episodes, obviously. But if this is the first time they're hearing you on the show, uh, can you introduce yourself just a little bit? Of course. My name is Scott, and I am the co-founder of Squadcast Media Network and the co-host of the, uh, I guess you could say the flagship show of the of the network, which is DC Film Squadcast, where my co-host Tim and I talk about DC film and television news and we've been doing this for um it'll be six years this september whoa that's crazy i know right so we we've we've had a busy we had a busy 2020 early 2021 and now we're kind of we're kind of into this like easy period now where it's like it's not quite as crazy we'll just say that Zack Snyder's Justice League was kind of a big thing for us and so we're yeah I can imagine that <laughs> so now that that's wrapped up and Army of the Dead is wrapped up now it's kind of like oh okay now it's like okay do we have news to talk about this week no mm, let's talk about a movie that's fine because uh, we even just recorded an episode wrapping up our lord of the rings discussion where we get to talk about return of the king so that was lots of fun nice fun yeah i i thought about that during the pandemic like what are they going to cover when there's no new movies that's that can be a challenge so that makes sense <laughs> um so my guest always picks the movie. You know, people always say, like, if you talk about this movie, it's like, no, you choose the movie. So what movie did you choose to talk about today? Oh, and I've been and I've been teasing that we were going to be talking about this forever. <laughs> but we are talking about 1984's cult classic. I think it's fair to call it a cult classic. The, I think so. The Last Starfighter. Yes. So this came out in 1984, one year after I was born. Um, so I did not see this in theaters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. I was two. I did not either. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, like, okay, well, let me say before we dive in too much, um, if you guys haven't heard the show before, it is not spoiler free. We will talk spoilers. I always recommend that you go watch the movie first and then come back. Um, if you're still listening, I'm going to read the synopsis really quick and then we'll kind of dive into 
your history with the film and, and some facts about it. So here we go. After finally achieving the high score on Starfighter, his favorite arcade game, everyday teenager Alex Rogan meets the game designer Centauri, who reveals that he created the Starfighter as a training ground for developing and recruiting actual pilots to help fight in a war in space. Whisked away from the banality of his trailer park life to a distant alien planet, Alex struggles to use his video game playing skills to pilot a real ship with real lives at stake. That's a fairly accurate synopsis. I like it. <laughs> Can I admit something kind of embarrassing about this movie? Go right ahead. Okay. I know that I watched this growing up. And when you when you uh, mentioned it, I was like, oh, good, I can watch this again. Because I described this as the, as the movie where I remembered up until he is playing that video game. And then the rest of it was like a blank slate. Like, I could not remember what the rest of the movie was about at all. Okay. And it was kind of, it's one of those things that was, it was driving me crazy because it's like, I know I saw it a bunch of times. Why is that? You know, I was like, a part of me was worried I was going to turn the film on and then black out at the same moment or something. <laughs> there was something to that. But that didn't happen. Um, I watched it all the way through and I even texted my childhood friend, Sandy, and I said, okay, I'm watching The Last Starfighter and when I see this, when I even just see a picture of the you know, poster or something. I think of your brother. And she was like, yeah, because we watched that like a hundred times. <laughs> She's like, my whole family loves that movie and my brother quotes it to this day. I was like, okay, cool. My memory was good on that part at least. Um, but yeah, that's that's my experience with this movie. I'm glad that I saw it all the way through again so I could fill in those gaps uh, and enjoy it in its entirety. W what is your experience with this film? Okay. I, that is so funny that that's your experience because this is one of those movies that I remember I would see it up to a point. Like, you, it, I have these memories of constantly starting the movie but never finishing yes, the movie. That's so weird. What is that about? I, well, that's so strange. Well, I think you got to think about, <laughs> like, because we're only about two years apart. So you've got to think about back in the day, like, it, it was, like, coming on – randomly on tv or maybe yes. somebody had a vhs and if you couldn't sit down and watch the whole movie you know there's there, there there's tons of those movies that you're like the first 30 minutes i can quote verbatim and then after a certain point it's like what happens like i don't think i've actually ever <laughs> finished this movie and so maybe we were too little to like really get it i don't know you know but i remember then I, the 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 holy grail, which is haha, that will come into play later on in our discussion <laughs> of this movie, is the fact that I would check the newspaper. You know, I didn't have TV guide, but I had the TV schedule in the local newspaper, and we have oh, yeah. and we have a syndic we had a syndicated channel that would do late night movies, like starting at about like ten, eleven o'clock at night, and I remember mm -hmm. one day random this is probably like early 90s i saw they were finally showing the last starfighter and i did that thing that our generation was really good at which is we knew how to program the vcr and, oh yeah and i programmed the vcr to record the late night movie so that the next morning i could wake up rewind the tape and i finally got to watch the movie start to finish <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Like, I, there were a lot of science fiction films I watched at this friend's house. Um, and this one, I always just reminded me of her brother because he loved video games. And I don't know. It just reminded me of them. And so, yeah, I never saw it all the way through. And, and even, like, last night we sat down to watch it. And my husband goes, he, I start playing it. And he goes, I've never seen this. And I was like, what? Yeah, you have. Remember? Like, we've, he, and he was like, I've never seen this before. I think I thought you were talking about the flight of the navigator <laughs> this whole time. And it's like, it's weird. It's, I think because it has that cult status that, like, not everyone's seen it or they haven't seen it as often as some of the other, like, classic 80s films. Yeah. And it's, it's, but it's definitely one of those movies because of its cult status that if you've seen it, by God, you can quote the thing. We, yeah, true, true. We, we can hum that theme from the score. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You know, it's, it, it, it's classic, like, 80s John Williams esque. We're going to have a big, bombastic theme. And, it, it's so weird because I think 
I think the last time I was on the show, we talked about The Wizard. Yes. I was going to mention that, too. You keep picking these these uh, films that are about video games. <laughs> I, I, You know what? I did, You're on a kick. I didn't even think about that when I picked The Last <laughs> Starfighter because I've made it known that whenever I show up on your show, I always want I, – I love so many different kinds of movies that I always try to make sure that I'm picking something, you know, different. Like, I intentionally yeah. choose a different genre every time I come on the show – and as I'm watching it, I sit there going, oh, you're kidding me. I actually picked two video game movies in a row. This is funny. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I actually did this. Because I wasn't thinking about this as a video game movie. I was just thinking about yeah, this, as this, that. as this classic sci-fi movie. Because that's always what I think about it. And it was just so funny that, you know, The Wizard was the last movie I talked about. And I was like, oh, dude, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is the... Scott's showing his age because, I mean, look at that arcade cabinet outside that trailer yes. park. I've played an arcade cabinet outside, like, some diner out, you know, you know, not inside, like, outdoors and, like, the, you know, the eating area. It's like, I've, I've, I've totally done that. And it's... And I think... This movie has that cult status because this is one of those classic 80s wish fulfillment movies. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I had a couple of quick facts about the movie, too. Uh, the first one was that, according to the screenwriter, the idea for the movie came about because he wandered into a video game arcade and saw a young boy playing a video game. And he had read the book, The Once and Future King, and it occurred to him, like, what if a video game had, like, sort of a sword in the stone, you know, and a boy sort of uh, plot to it, which kind of uh, led to this film. Um, which makes a lot of spe a sense, especially it's the 80s, you know, and like you said, you, you have that experience of, like, playing an arcade game um, at, at, a, at a place that... You know, I think people nowadays wouldn't necessarily associate with video games because we all have them on, like on our phones now and like home consoles. But, you know, you had to play them at either an arcade <laughs> or, you know, a, a restaurant or something would just have a couple of arcades uh, or a couple of uh, what do you call them? cabinets, Man. Yeah. Ca cabinets. Thank you. Cabinets um, just set up with just random games. And. I love that factoid because the entire time I was watching the movie, I was like, this is like the Joseph Campbellian monomyth, but in space. Like, like I'm, I'm seeing, like, yeah. it, it, it's Star Wars, it's King Arthur. I mean, I'm sorry, Centauri even calls it the Excalibur test. I mean, it, 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 I mean true, true. the screenwriter wasn't trying to hide it too terribly much. No, and I mean, you know, this is like pretty not not right after but around the same time as you know star wars came out the first one in 77 and it's like this is almost like marrying the two ideas like oops sorry marrying the two ideas of like you know video games video games are becoming really popular and then also star wars and this kind of has both those things in it it's i could see why you know this would be so appealing to kids during that time even though i saw it a little bit later um and, and an, another thing that I liked about it is that I read that an earlier draft of the script that this took place in the suburbs, which, you know, every movie did at this time, right? Yeah. I think they were trying not to have it be like E.T. and all the other movies. They're always like in the suburbs and this takes place in a trailer park, which, you know, I, I lived in a trailer park for the first few years of my life, so I can kind of relate to it. Uh, but I think that also gives different spin on this movie because the main character is really he's stuck uh in his life and he doesn't have the same opportunities as a lot of the other heroes that we're used to seeing in these kind of movies has and he this you know this is really his like get out of you know his hometown opportunity like he doesn't have a lot of opportunities and it also makes the little town more close-knit because that's kind of how like a lot of trailer park communities are, they're like a little more invested in their neighbors and they're a little closer. So it kind of adds to that too. But I don't know. I just like that. I, th I think that's a little bit different from some of the other movies. And, and I like that difference about it. Well, it, it feels more like 
if the if the screenwriter was going for that sort of King Arthur feel, and I mean, it, doesn't this just? Like, oh, that's true. I mean, it's got to be the the fish the out of water. Like the the point is that he yeah. he's dreaming big. <laughs> he yes, yeah. There's something about dreaming big in the suburbs that you know you could almost say, dude, you know suck it up he's probably got rich parents and they can you know like in 80s movies they always had like huge houses and when they were stressed about stuff i'm like look at their house it's huge i know <laughs> what are they so stressed about they have tons of opportunities but i mean it's the movies it doesn't necessarily reflect reality but it, at least in this case you're like he really is kind of starting humbly you know and it's also the fact that what does he want to do he just wants to be able to go to school he want he wants to be able to get yeah. out he doesn't want to go to city college he want, probably wants to go to like a university and his big deal is right. he needs a loan and you know and that's mm-hmm. that great thing of like what kicks off the things he the loan gets denied and he just he just sees himself being stuck and I feel yeah. like this blue collar environment. There was even a great essay I, I, right before we decided to do this movie. Arrow Films Video came out with this great remastered special edition Blu-ray of the Last Starfighter. You know, they're kind of the Criterion Collection for uh, cult films and, and and genre films. And there was an essay about blue collar America, uh, blue collar uh, workers in the American dream, or something. And and I don't think this film has the character that it has if it's not set in the trailer park. I I agree with you. Um, and I think it's a little more relatable for most people than maybe the the life that some of the other characters have in other movies. I think this is pretty, this is like a relatable story. You know, you can imagine that a lot of people watching this, you know, felt like this character and and it's an interesting spin because he's like a little bit older. He's like about to go to college, whereas a lot of times I feel like the main character is like a little younger. So his his problems are more like real world and like truly understandable from people his age and, and then people older than him, too. Yeah, because he, he can see all because notice how all the neighbors, except for his girlfriend and his little brother, uh, all of his neighbors like Otis or Granny or, you know, in, or his mom, they're all older. And so I feel mm-hmm. like what it really does is it sets up this idea of if I don't get out of here now, I will be, be stuck. Here. I will be yeah. stuck here for the rest <laughs> of my life. And I feel like casting everyone else is more kind of over the hill as far as characters go. You don't see a lot of other younger people in the trailer park itself i really think almost psychologically for the audience gives you the sense of once i'm here i'm never getting out well it's painful too because his friends can all go to the beach and have fun but his mother to support them she has to work like two jobs and or double shifts and so he's taking on that like parent role that he shouldn't really have to take yet um, and it really is holding him back from even just having like friends and a girlfriend. I mean, he's like pretty stuck. And I think that's a very, like everyone can empathize with that. Um, sometimes movies like this, you know, as you get older, you're like, oh, these are like teenager problems. But I feel like, you know, if you're an adult now, you're even more empathetic. Like, yeah, that's a rough time in your life when you're trying to figure out like what you're going to do, how you're going to either get out of your situation or improve it. Like, very relatable stuff, I think. And I was also, and I mean, we're not even jumping into the plot yet, but since we're on this on this thread, he Alex has is kind of found himself as sort of the handyman of the trailer park, like when. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's true. And, and I, I'll be honest, and and I guess maybe may a question for you is like. Do trailer parks have like managers or landlords or like I, I was kind of curious how Alex is Alex just such a good guy that he's just willing to sacrifice his time to like every time someone had a problem? I think so, because typically how it works and it's worse than it used to be, but like you own the trailer but you don't own the land that it's on you pay the person owns the land and typically they don't have anything to do with the maintenance of your home so i think all these people 
you know, they're, they're already not doing well financially. And so when things break, they probably can't afford to pay for someone to come fix it. And so Alex is stepping in and just out of the goodness of his heart fixing it because he's he's saving them money by doing that. And, and that also makes Alex so much more of a selfless hero and also yes, yeah, absolutely. makes his situation so dire might be hyperbolic but like like the fact that he can't go to silver lake with his girlfriend and his friends just for a fun day to blow off some steam because my power's out my 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 toilet's clogged and and you hear it because they have all the voice of everyone going alex 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 and then it goes dark and then all you hear is everyone going thank you and like you're just like oh you're such a nice guy but Jeez, man, you know, could you, could you take a day off? And it just, it yeah. really makes you empathize with Alex as a character. Yeah, because I think, and, and that was another thing I liked about the movie is that you really like Alex. He seems very, like, earnest and honest. He's not, like, cocky. He's very, um, you know, just just a good guy. And, yeah, I think I think they're just trying to show there that he's a good guy. Um, but he's the also, last thing that I wanted, but, oh, go ahead. But he's also not overly goody two shoes or nice like oh no like no, no. he's resentful. I think he's like a normal teen yeah he is nor- <laughs> yeah he's angry and he has a right to be like it's a really frustrating situation like, for sure it sucks and, and, and he's not and he's not like uh and he's not like a tiny tim oh it's okay no he's like no this sucks like, like, <laughs> tiny tim. you know yeah yeah he's like he's noticing that every all his peers cannot relate to him like they they have the freedom to like go do the things they want to do. They have more opportunities than he does. And so he's very frustrated um, that that he's so behind. Uh, the last thing that I had too was that, you know, they keep mentioning this video game <laughs> in the movie um, and, and they were working on it, uh, but it never came to be that I know of. Is that right? I, I believe so. Um, and there's even, I unfortunately, we we're talking about this before we started recording, there are some great special features on this Arrow uh, release. And there's actually a special feature all about creating the game for the movie. Oh, wow. And I can't wait to watch that and check it out. Uh, because, well, granted, in the 80s, that was like a game I'd want to play. I mean... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's like a flight simulator, which, you know, I think around the time of this film, of course, again, I was very little, <laughs> but I remember like, even when I was younger, like hearing about flight simulators and people being very interested in that because of the capabilities that they could have, that previous, you know, pixel games didn't have that many options to it to where it could simulate a flight. So like, that would be really appealing, I think, around that time. Like, oh, wow, this is, like, very advanced, you know, video game stuff. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then by the time I was watching this movie, you know, the big flight simulator back in the 90s was X-Wing. And so, like, and so you're watching these movies, and it's like, it, the best thing about this movie is that, yes, it's got that video game aspect to it, but it also has, like, that dogfighter, top gun kind of, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's actually for me that was more the appeal to the last Starfighter was the pilot dogfight aspect. And I think it's interesting that you brought up the Star Wars connection because when he like you immediately get to like the mission briefing like like is what you get like at the end of Star Wars when Luke's finding out about the Death Star and everyone's you know and everyone's getting their order just like oh no we're gonna put that in the first like 20 minutes of the movie like right yeah I was gonna say it's like they took the most exciting parts <laughs> and put it in there for sure so yeah I, and I think this film also I I don't know the actual um, history behind it. But I believe if it's not the first, it's one of the first to use completely 3D CGI in a movie. Like, those scenes are entirely computer-generated using completely rendered, you know, for the time, 3D graphics. And so there were no models. It was all CGI as far as 1984 CGI is concerned, which I think when I was a kid was part of the appeal to it because it looked video gamey and... Yeah, I was going to say, like, they can kind of fall back on the, like, if you think the 
you know, uh, if you think the effects are dated, well, you know, this is based on, in the movie, a video game. So that kind of gives it that full circle connection. Yeah. So I, I think I think this all kind of, I think what we just spent all this time talking about really talks about why this movie appeals. Like, if you've seen this movie... Yeah. I, I don't know I don't know too many people who have seen this movie who don't enjoy this movie. I agree. I agree. I feel like it's it's one of those films if you if you saw it growing up you really loved it. Um and and you kind of like the fact that not everyone's seen it. It's like a little secret, <laughs> like a little secret gem. Or or you or it's not even like it, you don't even want to keep it secret. You feel like it's a it's a movie you get to sh- like, "Oh, I get to share this with you now." Because Yeah, exactly. It's so much fun. That's and, true. and it's got that 80s charm to it. You know, it, it does. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about some of your favorite scenes in the movie? I do. Um, I have to laugh. And cr- I have to cringe and laugh about uh, the little brother, because that is such an <laughs> 80s. That is such an 80s character. The the smart for sure. The smart elecky. uh you know, older than he should be, little brother who cusses because it's a PG movie in the eighties and man the language you could get away with in a PG movie back in the eighties. Oh my gosh, anything. Anything. And <laughs> and the fact that he's got a stack of Playboy and it's just I, I his character could so easily be annoying. And yet I am entertained by the little brother and I can't explain it. He's cute. And I, I don't know. And, and he, yeah, I think he, he, he does just enough to where he reminds you of a little brother, but he's not too much. Um, but I think the scenes, like I, I read that they added scenes with um, the beta unit or whatever. The simuloid, is that what he calls it? Well, him? And it, yeah, he's a, he's a beta unit. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the robot, unit. the robot he, imposter. Yeah. The robot. Yeah. Um, they added some more like funny stuff with the robot and the little brother because the audience really responded to that. I think that kid's just cute. And uh, so it was like, yes, more of this. And I think it adds another level to the movie because I, I agree with you. It's like a very 80s trope to have like that little brother. So it's like, it's weird. It's like a little bit E.T., a little bit Star Wars, a little bit, you know, a lot of different films. And I think... It, it, it almost, in some ways, the whole movie feels like a love letter to all the other films of that era. Yes, and I think that's why it works so well, because it's kind of a pastiche, and it just, it takes it takes all your favorite things and puts it in a blender. Um, Pretty much, yeah. I have to admit, as a kid, the scene where Alex actually beats the game, I, you know what, I still kind of get a little worked up. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's... It's exciting. It is very exciting credit to the film for making you watching a teenage boy play a video game and you actually get emotionally invested you know we kind of dealt with that in the wizard like when we were Mm -hmm. watching the the little brother play super mario brothers 3 at the end yeah and i feel like this one i think it also helps because otis is a, Otis is excited for him because he's had a bad day. Yes, and then Otis yeah. gets excited and then literally calls everyone in the trailer park, and it's like the biggest thing to happen at the trailer park where everyone leaves to watch him play this video game, and it's, it's such an interesting moment because as an audience member, especially as a kid, it gets you more excited about the fact that Alex is beating this video game, but then as an adult, you're also realizing wow, this is the best thing you guys have got to do tonight is like, like, <laughs> that's a good point. It's like, the, like even the three guys playing poker, are like take your hands. It's like, we're going to stop the poker game to go watch Alex beat a video game. Like that's the most excitement they've seen in a long time. And I think it just reinforces the environment. Like this is something that like, they think this is an amazing achievement and it must be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think it, it sort of cements the idea that, yes, Alex wants to get out of there and he's, you know, he, he wants to move on to other things, but he is truly appreciated. He is a little hero in this town for a few reasons, you know, for the fixing stuff up and things like this. They're supportive of him. And I think 
you know, showing this character to be somebody that's, you know, someone other people get behind and support and, um, and, and, and look to, uh, sets him up to be this, you know, hero that he's going to become later on of the universe, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, yeah. it's also a great way of showing what a, that really is a charming community. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I agree. Yeah. So I love, I love that scene. Um, I'm not even going to talk about a scene. I'm going to talk about an actor. There's another reason I absolutely adored this film. And it's because of Robert Preston. I love... He plays Centauri. This was actually his final film role. He passed away shortly after this movie came out. So this was the last movie Robert Preston ever did. He, He was too young to die. That's so sad. Um... He, of course, I had, by that point, I had fallen in love with him because, of course, he is well known for playing Harold Hill in The Music Man. And that mm-hmm. movie made a big impression on me as a child. And I've seen other movies he's done, particularly Victor Victoria with Julie Andrews. But he was such an incredible showman that he... He's kind of Harold Hill, the con man, but he's an alien. And I and it, <laughs> it, it seems like it was typecasting to put Robert Preston in this role, and I didn't care. Because the man oozes charm and charisma, and no one can deny it. Like, you just love Robert Preston. Like, he, he, he can be conning you. He can be lying to you. He could be flim-flamming you. And you don't care because he just does it with style. Well, and I feel like this is another sort of, like, 80s trope where he feels, this character feels very, like, of that time. Like, I almost wonder, like, if a younger person watches this movie, are they like, what is up with Centauri? <laughs> like, I feel like it's definitely... You know, like, that character would be different now, but I love how he is because it just reminds you this is 1984. Well, and also, if we go back to the fact that, I, I once again, I'm so glad you bring up the fact that Screener had just read The Once and Future King because he's Merlin. That's that's his yeah. role in the monomyth. Like he, oh, that's true. He's the he's the wily. He's he's Obi Wan Kenobi. He's Merlin. He's he is the pat. He's the he's the old, knowing, wiser character who ushers our hero into the new world. Like who yeah. puts him on his path of his adventure, and. And that's, I mean, it, and so he's he's playing this archetype, but because he's older, he's wily, like, do I trust him? Like, he is that wizard, especially since he invents the game. It's like, he's the one who put the sword in the stone, as it were. And so yeah. it, I, I just love it because it fits into that Arthurian model that obviously the screenwriter was going for. I agree, and I also feel like, you know, there's definitely, you know, he has this monetary uh, motive, the whole movie, but I think he's like one of those characters where that's what he puts out there, but he's got a big heart underneath, and I think you get to see that, like, towards the end of the movie, but I kind of like that that duality with him, where it's like, sometimes you're like, okay, he's all about selling them this kid, because... It has to work because he needs the money. But then you also later feel like, no, I think he really cared about him and saw his potential. Um, He did design that game and he beat it. So he knows that he can do it. And I I like I like that about him. And yeah, he was charming. Um, I did not watch those two things you mentioned. So to me, he reminded me of Columbo. (laughs) No, Oh, no. Peter Falk. Absolutely. You know, you you are. You are dead on. I mean that those those two actors have a have a um a way about them that I could totally yes do not feel bad about that. Robert Preston, <laughs> well, Peter Falk, I, I'm I'm down with that comparison. Well, especially since um, we talked about Murder by Death last week, and I was telling uh, my guest that. Uh, Travis that I watched a lot of Columbo growing up which is kind of weird because I was kind of like 
too little for that, but my dad watched it a lot. So I ended up, I would tell my dad, like, I like Columbo. And he'd be like, really? Okay, well, you know, we can watch that. So maybe that's why I watch so many detective things. I don't know. Don't worry. I was watching Matlock at the same time. <laughs> it's okay. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's like you end up watching what your parents like. And it's just interesting what you end up getting exposed to. <laughs> but yeah, so when I see him, it makes me kind of nostalgic. I'm like, this is kind of like a... Yeah, he's a con man, but he, he also sort of is dressed like a PI, so there's a little bit of crossover there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. I, I was guessing that you were about to talk about him. Yeah, well, and you know what? There's another actor that I did not connect. It's one of those, I'm almost 40, and I connect the dots now that, I, that it's taken me this long to connect the dots. But the character of Greg, his navigator, you know, mm-hmm. do you know who that actor is? I don't. I see his name. I'm kind of clicking through, which I'll edit out my clicks so everyone doesn't have to hear them. But um, I'm clicking through some pictures. I do not think I know who this is. He's the old man from RoboCop. Oh. I kind of like when I was watching it towards the end, I thought this is someone kind of important. Like I kind of realized that towards the end of the movie. And I did wonder like who's under there. <laughs> I I was sitting there going... You know, because I just got finished over at Squawcast Media for our Patreon rewatching uh, the RoboCop trilogy. And so I was mm-hmm. sitting there listening to Greg, and I'm like, dang, I know this voice. Who is this guy? And so I just, while well, the movie was playing, I looked up IMDb, and I went, old man. He's the old man. He's OCP. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Like, like the, 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 the dots suddenly, like, all the, all the synapses <laughs> fired. I was like... I cannot believe it took me until today. I am today old when I made that connection of who Grig is. Because <laughs> it's just th- that makeup is actually really good makeup for, you know, 1984. I and I think he, not only that, but he acts in it very well. And um, I like his personality because it's like, I don't know, especially at the end when he's like greeting everyone. And being so warm, you kind of, I don't know, there was something cute about that. Like, they're kind of scared. He's, he looks like a monster, and he goes, oh, monster. And he goes down there and, like, shakes everyone's hand. And the second that he shakes their hand and addresses them, they all their demeanor changes. They, like, automatically accept him. And also because Alex okayed him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I just thought that was really cute, and I thought he was a very, like, sweet side character. I, I think one of my scenes I love with him in particular uh, is... Really, the entire time they're in the Gunstar, like one, you know, as soon as they, as soon as they launch, and he's like, and, and Alex is like, so how many starfighters are there, including you? Yeah, one. <laughs> and, like, and, I love that. <laughs> and from then on, you've got like the, it's all right. I'll have it all figured out before we get to the frontier. <laughs> What's that? The frontier. (laughs) He just, he had these, I mean, he had these great one-liners, but then you also got that sweet scene where he pulls out basically the equivalent of, you know, the the fold-out pictures from your wallet and, like, showing his his family and, like, and getting that personal connection because he's been so this over-the-top kind of character that's been, like, pushing Alex to be the best starfighter he can be. And that's kind of the moment where you finally get to, you get a glimpse of him as a character. And it it really does solidify their bond. Um, Especially since this is such a weird type of dogfight movie where Alex is literally just the gunner. Like, Greg is the one flying. You know, Alex's entire job is just to shoot. True. I agree. And um, I also like in the movie that Alex has that he he does something very, very realistic that I feel like you don't see in a lot of these kinds of films where he's like, yeah, I'm I'm not doing this. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And they like bring him all the way back home. And he's like, I'm just a kid in a trailer park. And Centauri says, if that's what you think you are, then that's all you're ever going to be. And I was like, dang, that's rough. That's tough love. Um, and he's like, you know, ring this if you want to come back. And I was like, man, this Starfighter gig is the best chance he's got. I think he should go back up there. <laughs> and But I like that he has that, you know, time for him to, like, not think he doesn't want to do it. I like that they give the character that 
because a lot of times in movies you're like, well, how did they get there so fast? How do they just accept all of this so quickly? So I kind of like that about it. Oh, absolutely. And that and that and kudos to the screenwriter because that's part of that kind of monomyth too. Is like there there is actually a I'm sorry I keep on referencing that because I just read the hero with a thousand faces like like three weeks ago and and it was just like seeing my mind going this is so brilliantly written because he just he literally followed the steps and one of the steps is denying the call and and, and that's mm. what alex does he denies the call he says nope i'm not doing this i i no that's true that's true yeah and i mean it also makes us as the audience like empathize with him more because in, in his shoes, we probably would feel pretty wobbly as well. <laughs> like somebody just telling you you're good enough to do something is like, well, I don't know about this. Like it's it's a lot. I and it makes him like more humble too, because it's like okay, he's he's a humble person and he's genuine, and we want that in our hero. Well, especially with that first scene with his friends when he's uh, checking his mail. And he kind of cops an attitude, he a little bit of a superiority complex with his friends, where he's like, "Oh yeah," where he's like, "Oh, you're gonna go to city college, you're gonna polish your pickup, you're gonna get drunk and puke on Saturday nights." No, not me. Like he he, you know, that right before you know he can't go to go out with them because he has to go fix everything. So it's interesting where he kind of, they gave him that moment for him to kind of inflate his ego a little bit and kind of mouth off. And then he immediately gets brought down and humbled. So it's interesting that he has this opportunity where he can be the big shot. And he's like, ah, uh, no, no, yeah. not, no, no, I, I, I'm going back home. I think in the first scene, it's probably more him trying to save face in front of his friends. Like, maybe if he has a really good reason for not acting like that, he's not so hurt that he's not included in all these parties and stuff. Yeah, I don't it just it just makes him a very nuanced character, especially for, yeah. a, you know, a, a fun little 80s sci-fi romp. You know, yeah, I I really uh, kudos to Lance Guest, who plays Alex Rogan, which he really didn't do a whole lot after. Like, like this was. Yeah, I noticed that looking at his IMDb, I was kind of surprised. Um, one of the commentary tracks on this Arrow Blu-ray release is actually him and his son talking about the movie, and I can't, Aww. I can't wait to watch that because the commentaries actually have him and his son on one track. Uh, the ne- other track is. Uh, the director nick castle which uh funny story um he was michael myers oh yeah that's so crazy <laughs> i just was like i didn't know that I'm like, aren't there like three halloween actors in this movie yes yes there are yeah Actually, i think because lance guest was also in halloween uh, halloween 2 yes i think that's how he was cast yeah so it, there, there's just this weird, like, if you love 80s movies, it's like, this movie's for you. Because it's this... Yeah, it literally has everything. Like, the girlfriend even kind of acts like the girlfriend in um, Back to the Future a little bit. Even though that came out after this, it was just giving me those vibes. <laughs> yeah, and I would be lying if I didn't say that um, 9, 10-year-old Scott didn't seriously crush on Catherine Mary Stewart because I actually said last night that um I was like his girlfriend is impossibly hot like I don't believe that's his girlfriend <laughs> like she doesn't look like just someone's girlfriend I don't know she was like too pretty for this film <laughs> oh yeah but but she also did a really good job of just playing the girl next door Oh, for sure. Personality-wise, yeah, she was definitely... I, I think she did a good job in the movie of, like... I mean, she does have some of those, like, 80s, like, screaming moments and, like, what's going on? What? You know, like, I feel like that's what, like, <laughs> girlfriends do in these movies. But I also feel like she takes a lot... Of, she takes it upon herself to, like, go get, you know, Alex. She gets on board really quickly. She's very supportive. I think she gets to do a little more than the girlfriend in... Uh, in Back to the Future, so I, I was pleased with her character, and and I thought she did a really good job. I I was curious because uh, I was going to ask you how you felt about Mags as a she does get relegated to 
the girlfriend role and the, the supporting role, but I felt like she was sassy enough and spunky enough that it wasn't quite as cookie cutter as it could have been. I mean, I'm not saying it's great, I'm, but I'm saying it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, she didn't get, like, thrown behind a trash can and we don't see her the rest of the movie or whatever, like, in Back to the Future 2. So I think, um, you know, for the time, this is definitely, she 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 is a little tropish, but I felt like she did a lot in the film and she's in the film throughout. Um, and, and I liked when she finds out who Beta is. Which, some of the beta scenes, too, I was like, oh, how would that play today? People get, like, really upset about this today. And it would makes my brain hurt to try to think about how it would be interpreted. But um, when she finds out who Beta is, she's, like, all on board. And, like, okay, like, I'm concerned about Alex. Let's go find him and let's help him. So I thought that was kind of cool that she, she was so open-minded. And then, of course, you know, in the end, she goes with him to space that too I liked because normally I feel like she would have stayed behind but I think she was like truly ready to try something new and she trusted him and I don't know I, I thought that was sweet I found that ending with their their uh, relationship to be really cute I oh good I, I felt the same way I was just hoping you felt the same way too <laughs> yeah you're hoping I wouldn't rip her apart I, I couldn't it's 1984 like you know today would her character be different yes but I don't think it was bad good okay um, other favorite scenes, I mean, really, the problem then is is that it, to talk about favorite scene is just, how can I just talk about the giant space battle at the end? Like, you know, the, <laughs> True. the, the, the one, the one lone, I mean, the movie's called The Last Starfighter. So it's one ship against the entire, uh, you know, Codan Armada, and it, and, and at the time when I watched it, seeing that being done because it's CG, granted, early 80s CG, but that still allowed for movement and scenes that, I'm sorry, the dogfights in Star Wars don't look like that because you couldn't get models to move like that at the time. Mm -hmm. So... It and it was a cool design. Like he was shooting lasers and missiles. And you have the death blossom yeah. scene where it's like it goes. <laughs> oh yeah, I like how he's like that hasn't been tested. I'm like, oh man, risky hasn't been tested. Yeah, I know. You gotta love it. Prototype, you know. <laughs> it, it, and then and of course the gunner chair becomes like those like those um uh inertia inertia rides you'd get like at space centers where you're like being spun yes, all around. Yes, I was like. He looked nauseous, like spinning all over the place, shooting everyone. But hey, he, he was prepared. He trained for this. Yes, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, in his wombat back, you know, I used to shoot wombats in my land speeder back home. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but those, I mean, those are really kind of the, the scenes that really stand out to me. It, it, and, and notice, and I think it's because it's not even the scenes, it's just the characters. And I think yeah, that's I what makes... It's very character-driven. It's very character-driven. And the relationships between the characters, I think, is what makes this movie stand out. Like, how does this movie make it out of 1984 to where people still fondly remember it? Like, when I posted it on the Facebook group, and, you know, and everyone just remembers... Uh, greeting, Starfire. You've been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zero <laughs> and the Codan Armada. It's like, we just know that. Yeah. And Oh, you know, I forgot to mention... Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I forgot to mention with the girlfriend, too, I liked when we were talking about like things that are like relatable or maybe more empathetic. Uh, in When she can't... When he can't go with her to the beach... And he's really hurt by that. And she decides to skip a party that everyone's going to just to see him. And then he gets a little bit jealous, like, you came home with so-and-so. And she's like, well, I wanted to be with you. I liked that whole, like, exchange between them. And then he, like, really softens. And I just thought, yeah, like, she's so understanding for a teenager. <laughs> because, you know, when, you, when I think back of myself as a teenager, would I have been like that? Would I have been able to see what was really going on with Alex or would I have just been mad he didn't go to the beach with me? You know, I thought that was cool that their their relationship seemed mature for teenagers. Yes, very much. I so. thought that was cute. Yes. Uh, 
and and like you said, I I liked I liked the idea that they added more scenes with Beta and the little brother because they're fu- they're <laughs> funny. They're fu- they're, they are <laughs> legit funny. I I I think they're charming. I I like the my favorite one is when the beta unit takes his head off and puts it on the desk. And it, and it's so obviously that they built the set so that Lance Guest is sticking his head up out of a hole in the desk. But How silly it looks is like part of why it's funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my favorite part is when he sees the assassin ship land and he just goes, oh, no. And the hands actually make him so he could shake his head. I just thought that was <laughs> – I don't know. It's goofy and I love it because it's – goofy i mean it's definitely aimed at like a younger audience and it it would be perfect for that audience and since we were young when we saw it it was pretty perfect um yeah I, i like that i i also like just in the end like how accepting the whole town is of this alien encounter um i found that to be really sweet and then uh, I also thought maybe that's another reason to put it in a trailer park because who's always seeing aliens? <laughs> people trust some rural people, yes. some country folk. So maybe it makes sense <laughs> for it, to, and maybe that's why they're so accepting. Hey, maybe they've seen this before. We don't know, um, but I liked that. And then also that he chose to go up there and be a starfighter, and, and his mom was like, "Okay, <laughs> like just how happy everyone is for him that he's going into space and how quickly they accept it." I'm like, that's so cute like such an 80s sci-fi thing that would happen like not realistic and i'm here for it. but they've also but they set it up with that scene early in the movie where they all got excited about him beating the game it's it's like true they've they're in his corner. they're already in his corner and so you buy it when they're all like you know they're actually like i love otis going Man, everyone's gonna know Starlight, Starbright, where Alex Rogan and Maggie left for the stars. Like it's like we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be a tourist attraction because we're where the hero came from. We're the hometown where the hero came from. And I just and it's just so yes. it's so Americana and so innocent. Which once again, yeah. in the early eighties you saw a lot more movies like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like now the way to write it would be like, the mom is devastated that he's leaving and, you know, she ends up having a drinking problem and everything goes to crap while he's got like the sad, dark, dystopian version of this. And I, I like this better. It's, it's more optimistic. <laughs> well, it was also that like, while I was watching the movie, all, well, all three of my boys, so one of them is only 10 months old, so he goes where I put him. But it was <laughs> but it was fun that at one point I had all my sons in the room. And, you know, the, the occasional cuss word comes out. You know what? They, they know what bad words are, and they know not to repeat them. But it, it, but it was funny to see them all three, and they were all just watching it. And, and, and you've got to love a movie that, like, can captivate an 8-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 10-month-old. And they're almost yeah, 40 year old absolutely. father, and we're all sitting there going, We're cool. <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is an all ages event. Yeah, that's cute. I was I was gonna ask you about that. Like, how do your kids feel about this movie? I, I was wondering, you know, I think I've you might have heard this story before where I had a friend that showed his little sisters back to the future and, and they were like, That was boring. And he was like, Ugh! just like devastated. <laughs> so I always wonder, like, how does the younger generation view some of these movies? I'm 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 happy to hear that. Yeah, especially my five year old. My five year old, you know, he he's my imagination station, and so he was Aww. like, "Is he an alien?" And and then when the battles happen, he's like jumping up, going pew pew. He's like doing his own sound effects, and it's just <laughs> it 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 warmed my little geek dad heart to go. Yes, I have won. <laughs> Parenting done right. <laughs> Well, were there any other uh, scenes that we hadn't talked about yet? No, I really do think I, I think I've hit everything because, like I said, yeah. it's more about the character moments. It's more about the actors playing the characters and how well, and so that just leads to those because it's also it's less than two hours. This is this. I was gonna say, <laughs> it's every time I I have to ask that question, I feel like it's because I'm like, oh wait, this is not a two hour movie, <laughs> but I don't want to cut you off either, so always make sure. No, because <laughs> but that's another thing is that it's also a very well paced movie it doesn't seem i think so it does because sometimes short movies can seem long 
because they, this is true. because they drag because they're bad right <laughs> or yeah uh, or they feel like they move too quickly rushed. right yeah. they're rushed and yeah. you need more time this one it's like this is what it was supposed to be and it was structured very well to where you don't realize you're watching a less than two hour movie because it does yeah, its I job. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, till till I looked it up later, and I was like, oh, it's it's less than two hours. I didn't even notice. Yeah. I yeah. Well, um, I guess that brings me to my last couple of questions. Then, uh, number one, you know, I know you've spent this whole time explaining why you love this movie, but if you had to summarize, why do you think you keep coming back to this one? Because it's just fun. Like, like that, it, it's not deep. Actually, it's deeper. If, if you pay attention to it, there's actually more depth to it than you can give it credit for. But on, on the surface, it's just a fun romp. It's great mm-hmm. characters. It's some sci-fi action. It's got some 80s cheese to it. And, and yes, like just like we talked about with The Wizard... Is there some nostalgia associated with it? Absolutely. There's nostalgia out of its pores. But <laughs> I love it. And once again, it, it it's my childhood. Both, you know, I was born in the 80s. And I watched this as a child. And I can go back and appreciate it for what it is and what it was trying to do. And I think it did it well. And so yeah. I, I think it's a great example of how you can tell a good story with interesting characters and just have a fun time doing it. I agree. Um, you know, like I said, I hadn't seen this in a long time. So long, I forgot the plot. <laughs> but I would always describe it as a movie that I liked, <laughs> even though I could remember it. So when I go back and watch it, I enjoyed it that much more and definitely... As scenes popped up, memories were triggered. And like I said, I ended up texting a childhood friend. Um, any movie that can have me doing that is a good movie. <laughs> uh, how would you pitch this to someone that hasn't seen it before? Um, have you ever wanted to be told that you're special and go out and become like the badass, you know, hotshot pilot in the universe? This movie's for you. I mean, because that, mm-hmm. that's, once again, I said at the beginning of our discussion, it is pure 80s wish fulfillment. It's yeah. how would you love to be that hot shot that, you know, you, you talk about like the, 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 you know, armchair quarterback. You know, what what if you being that video game nerd, those skills actually meant something. And let's think about it. That's a plot device that should really work today and mm-hmm. and I feel like you know th- this walked so like ready player one could run you know like like oh absolutely I was even gonna say that it reminds me of like stranger things how that's sort of just like a mishmash of all the things we loved in the 80s like this was that but it was made in the 80s too. Yeah, that is that is so well put. Like you, you hit the nail on the head and and I love it. It's also why I love Stranger Things. Like it the, Yeah, same. For the same I, reason. I remember people criticizing like, "Oh, nostalgia bomb." I'm like, "Everything you love is a nostalgia bomb, okay? Like there's something that preceded it and led to it, and that's part of why you like it." Also, Alex's wardrobe is just the bomb. I would dress like that now. Um the rolled cuffs oversized button-ups and bootleg cut jeans i love them i feel like it's in fashion now (laughs) and i kept saying the whole movie i'm like i want that chambray shirt i want anyway that's just an aside for me but but... but that's an interesting (laughs) point except for maybe some hairstyles it's not that dated (laughs) it's not like those styles are back so i was like i kept saying the whole movie like i want that shirt i want that shirt (laughs) and nick was like you're so weird and i'm like you know that already so Okay. He married you. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think this is a good film if you kind of want to see, if you want to have bragging rights of another, you know, 80s cult classic, add this one to your list. I think it's worth checking out. Absolutely. Well, Scott, 
Thank you so much for coming back. You must come back again, hopefully sooner. I think maybe I was too like, come back whenever. I need to give you hard dates. You do need to give me hard dates. Because you know me, Lisa. I I don't want your listeners to get tired of me. There was like a period where I was on here a little too much, I felt. And now it's like, you get some breather. Well, that's very modest of you, but I don't think that was, I don't think that's true. I think people really appreciate when you come on. Myself included, obviously. Well, you know, once again, it just becomes, you know, I'll I'll just start going down the genre boxes and go, okay, which one have I not checked yet? (laughs) Yes, you should. That would be so fun. I'm glad that we talked about this one, though. I was really looking forward to this. Oh, I was really looking forward to talking about it. And like I said, it gave me an opportunity, kind of like with The Wizard, when I got that new Shout Factory edition for my birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. This this gave me a excuse. Because I've done this now three times. Like when we talked about Some Like It Hot, I had just gotten the new Criterion version of that. Oh, yeah. So it's like, you're my excuse for busting out like these special editions of movies that I've bought and going, now nah, let me in. Happy to enable you. Oh, you are such an <laughs> enabler. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so scott where can before you go where can people find you well of course you can find my main podcast the dc film Squadcast, wherever podcasts can be found you can find the entire network of shows on vero facebook youtube and at squadcastmedia.com i'm also um kind of you know putting myself out there with some other people on their channels and so every saturday night you can find me talking batman the animated series over on the film junkie youtube channel and pretty much on a weekly basis now uh over on the wonder meg youtube channel you can see meg and me having our own two-person book discussion as we read dune chapter by chapter nice awesome well thanks again for coming back and hope to have you back soon to be back